Hey everyone, welcome back to the first installment of season three of Beyond the RX. As usual, your co-hosts are Shweta and Elena. Today we have with us KC, an admissions officer with the Georgetown University School of Medicine. We're going to be talking about the upcoming uh, application cycle for medical school. Thank you so much for your time, KC. Awesome. Nice to meet you both and <laughs> thanks for having me today. Of course. Um, so a lot of these questions are questions we have compiled from our friends and personally a lot of questions that I had running through the cycle and things I wish I would have known ahead of time. Yeah. But just starting out, first question, what are some ways to stand out as the number of applicants increase every year? Because I know Georgetown specifically, y'all have like 17,000 applicants. So how do you stand out among all those yeah. schools? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think the most important thing is to remember to be true to yourself and that you just have to tell your story. That's what you're here to do in an application process. So to think about what's important to you, what you're passionate about, and also to really take the time when you're applying to medical schools to find out about that medical school's mission statement, see about what's important to them, and really try to see if that aligns with who you are. That's what stands out the most for Georgetown, we're really mission-centered um, around our mission of Cura Personalis. So looking for applicants that are also interested in serving underserved communities, the idea of taking care of the whole person. And so if you're applying to a medical school and you really believe in that, your past really aligns with that, that's where you'll really kind of click with that school and they'll probably take a lot of interest in you and it'll help your application a lot. I definitely understand that because when I was going through the application cycle, I was like, where do I apply? You know, like, mm -hmm. and I think that's a great answer. Like what is true to me and what school really embodies the type of physician and the type of person that I am. Yeah. And it's hard because you want to get into medical school. So you want to apply to as many as you can to have the best shot, but the best chance that you have for yourself is if you're applying to schools that really resonate with you. I agree. I think it also helps to know like, what do you want to do in the future too, right? Like in terms of, do you want to get involved with research? As you mm -hmm. said, like, do you want to help with, do you want to help serve underserved communities? I think when I was applying for Georgetown, the biggest thing that really stood out to me as to like the main reason why I added Georgetown to my list of schools that I wanted to apply to and was actually one of my top choices was because of Cura Personalis, just the mm -hmm. ability to have, to look at medicine in such a holistic point of view. And I think that Georgetown just does an amazing job of teaching their medical students how to do that from, from the start to finish. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you just want to find the schools that, like you said, resonate with where you're really headed in your future too. What would you recommend for someone that's trying to figure out information about different schools? Do you think all that information is on the website or do you think you should maybe contact someone and say, Hey, what is this school about? Yeah, great question. So we have a lot of the information on our website, but we also do monthly information sessions and student panels. So that's kind of the easiest way that you're not having to like dig through the website, spend hours trying to figure it out. We just highlight it all for you. We tell you what we're about, opportunities that you would have at Georgetown. And then in the student panel, you get to hear our students speak about why they came to Georgetown, what they love most about Georgetown. And oftentimes they're also answering questions of, when I was going through the process, these are things I didn't know. This is what I wish I knew. Um, when I was in your exact position, this is what I was thinking about. So that'll just give you so much more contact. Um, context. So for Georgetown, that's probably the best way. We hold those every month. Um, they'll be through the summer as well. So that's an easy way to just kind of have all the information that you need at your fingertips pretty easily. Okay, awesome. 
That's great advice. So in terms of the application, what do you think is the most important aspect? Yeah. So we holistically review applications. So there's like seven areas that we're looking at and all of them are kind of weighted exactly the same. We don't have cutoff scores. We're not going to see like a lower GPA and just reject the application. We're going to go through and really try to get a feel for who the applicant is. So I think that's the most important part is making sure that your application tells a story and it makes sense. So talking about if you are really dedicated to underserved communities and you talk about it a lot in your secondary essay, do you have proof on your application that that has been something that you have experiences with and that you really do seem passionate about? Do your letters of recommendation also echo that? And do they, can you get a feel for the applicant and who they really are um, from the application? So I think that's the most important part of it. That's a really good point. And I think since you mentioned um, letters of recommendation, what would you recommend for people that have been out of school, um, out of undergrad for a certain number of years? How would they go about obtaining rec letters? Um, does it have, does, do they have to have like one rec letter from a science professor? And what, is, what does a science professor entail? Yeah, so no, they don't. Um, for our non-traditional applicants, we just wanna see, and I also wanna say, I feel like this term of non-traditional applicant has kind of like gone by the wayside. Um, our current class had 70% had taken at least one gap year. So I think the term's a little antiquated at this point. Um, but applicants that have just been out of school, it's the norm at this point. We're looking for letters of recommendation from people that really know you and can speak to your work ethic, speak to your values, speak to who you are as a person. The essays and the letters of recommendation, kind of the only area before the interview that we can really hear a voice from the paper application. Um, so just people that can really speak to you. If you did a lot of research, PIs, you were shadowing or had a clinical research assistant, the physicians you were working with, um, for some students that come in or applicants that come in and have worked from managers or people that they worked really closely with people that just can speak to you and we can get a better idea for who you are. That's awesome to hear. Cause I, I have a couple friends, you know, that are out that have been out of college for like a couple of years, some are like 28. And that's the question that they have. They're like, do I need to go back to college and take some classes um, and yeah. get rec letters from some science professors? But that's good to hear that it can be, you know, the people that you work for, you know, people that you volunteer with or different mm -hmm. reasons you do as well. I think that's a that's a great thing to have and not just think of this set, these like set requirements that you have to meet for the rec letter of who it needs to be. So yeah. that's, I think that's going to, you know, give them some peace. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's a thing with the two-week rule. You go yeah. on Reddit, you see the two-week rule, and yeah. I didn't know about the two-week rule before I started the application cycle. So I was like, okay, so do I have a set amount of time before I need to get this in? So from someone on the missions committee helping out, what do you think? Is that... Yeah. So for us, it doesn't make a difference. We don't even look at that at all. Um, <laughs> it's just not part of our process in the least. I can't speak for other medical schools though. So I'm sure there are some that do look at that mm -hmm. for Georgetown. We're not concerned about that at all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of talk around that. Yeah. I, I didn't know that was a thing. And so immediately just like anxiety went through the roof. I mm -hmm. was like, I need to just spend all my time secondaries work. Yeah. With secondaries. So that's good to hear that at least Georgetown isn't necessarily focused on that because mm -hmm. I, I think it is important to, you know, take your time with a secondary, because if you yeah. don't, you know, you're just kind of repeating the same things you have with other secondaries and really not, you know, tailoring it to the school and learning about the school if you're just crunched for time. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. 
So just to clarify to our audience, the two week rule means it, it was this like unspoken rule where you have to turn in your secondaries two weeks from when you receive them. I just wanted to let our audience know because <laughs> <laughs> now we realize it's debunked and uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, for Georgetown, there might be schools that still do it, but for us, it doesn't matter. So I always hear about how the personal statement is where you really sell yourself. So what are some tips to make the personal statement the most memorable to admissions committees officers? And also like on the other, on the flip end of the scale, it's what are some red flags to watch out for? Yeah, great question. So the secondary is the only place that we can hear your voice besides the letters of recommendation, but that's other people speaking about you um, before the interview. It's a great, I've been harping on like telling your story and who you're about, but that's really the area that you can really pull through with this and tell us who you are. Um, I oftentimes think about the um, AMCAS essay should really be about who you are, how you got to where you are and kind of your past leading up to it. And then oftentimes the secondary essays are more about your future, where you're headed and how that school will impact your future. Um, So telling your past story, just talk about how you got to where you are why you were interested in medicine, um, something that could be, I don't think there are certain like red flags in the way you tell your story because everyone has a different story. And also think about that all of the people reading these AMCAS essays, a lot of them are physicians who have also gone through their own hurdles, have lived their life. And so don't be worried to talk about things you've gone through and tell your story the way that's unique and personal to who you are. Um, Thinking about just like some red flags that a lot of people think about, but making sure that you don't have like a lot of grammar issues, that you've clearly gone through it and it makes sense. Have a couple people review it. Um, You don't want to have too many people review it because then you're just going to have too many opinions and it's going to start to get away from kind of your voice. But just having people go through it and then for the secondary, a couple um, secondary essays, a couple red flags as well are just making sure that you are making it specific to that school, talking about them. We receive so many applications and it seems like you wouldn't do this, but that are just so general. And you can tell that like the first three paragraphs they used on every application and then just changed out the bottom one. I know that applicants have to write so many essays and they're probably so tired and it takes so much time, but definitely trying to make those as unique as you can. Yeah, that's a very good point. I remember going through it and just being so tired. And I'm like, I could use the same beginning paragraph. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But in regards to the personal statement, I remember just like going through it multiple times and having different people read it and just being Mm -hmm. like overwhelmed by the amount of information and tips that I got. And I was like, oh, and then the best personal statement, the one that I just submitted, I like scratched my last personal statement. And I was like, okay, just tell your story. Just Mm -hmm. do it. Don't think about all the things that you need to include your story and give examples. And I just sat down and within 24 hours, I wrote my personal statement and it's like being genuine, you know, and not trying to Mm -hmm. force something. And I think like in the application process, when you are forcing something, it just, it doesn't work. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. not genuine and it's not telling your story. If you're, you know, trying to like, show all the things that you've done in this one personal statement, but when that's not what it's about, you know, it's kind of tell about yourself and how you got here and where you want to go. Yeah. And if you think about it in that exact way, it really won't ever hurt your application. Um, It's not supposed to be an area where we're like trying to get you or trying to see if you like fall into these traps. It's not that at all. It's just giving us more context, 
as who you are of a person as a person and learning a little bit more about you. Right. Absolutely. I think also with secondaries, it helps to look through the, the school's website and say like, where do I resonate? Where do we, like, what are parts of the website where I really like this? Or this is actually exactly how I am. And like examples where you've actually conducted like exactly those things, you know, like, for example, if you're interested in like this kind of research, like Georgetown is really known for its transplant institute. If you've done a lot of research in the transplant surgery field, then definitely talk about that. Talk about how that's something that you're interested in. That's something that you want to pursue. And Georgetown being in DC is great for health policy. This is like the hub of health policy. Mm -hmm. So if that's something you're interested in, that's something to discuss in the secondary as well. Yeah, definitely. One of our students actually on a student panel that I was on was talking about this exact thing. And he was saying that like 80% of medical schools are very similar. Like you have the same curriculum. You're all studying for the board exams. You're trying to become competent physicians that like 20% of what really makes them unique and different opportunities that you have. That's what you're trying to really figure out and see if you resonate with. And that's really what your secondary essay should be around. I love that example of talking about like transplant research because anything like that, I would love to read about that in a secondary essay and just learning why that's important to you and that you know about it and that you've taken the time and it's something that excites you. That's really what we're looking for. Definitely, that's great advice. Cause I, yeah, I think that advice that I would have given myself is taking time to like research every school that I was applying to thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, cause I met with Shweta before I applied to Georgetown to just learn more about it because coming out of undergrad, you're like medical school, like where Mm -hmm. do I apply? And just trying to find, yeah, what resonates with you. And so that's my number one tip. Make sure you, you really dive into the school and figure out where you want to go and Mm -hmm. not just like what sounds good or whatnot, but like what resonates with you personally. And that'll make the interview process so much easier on you because you can just talk about what you're passionate about and how that aligns with the school. You don't feel like you have to have the perfect answer and you have to like study. You should just be answering in a way that's truthful to who you are. Right. That's awesome. (laughs) Don't study for the interview. Yeah. Huge (laughs) tip. You don't want to sound rehearsed in the interviews. Yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. I really liked my Georgetown interview. I remember it like vividly. I think I had a good experience because I learned a lot from the interview that I didn't realize. I think in the moment I was nervous and I thought it didn't go at all like how I had planned. You know, we had created a script in our head of like, okay, this yeah. is exactly what I'm going to say. And this is exactly what they're going to say back. Mm-hmm. And then when they don't actually say that, it's like, oh no, what do I do now? <laughs> they aren't following my internal script. And so I was really, <laughs> I was really nervous coming out of it. But then like thinking back now, it's been two years since my interview. And I think back and I just don't, I don't, I didn't think I would learn as much from the interview as the interview would, would, would learn from me or mm-hmm. about me, but I really did. And I really enjoyed it. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. And it's also important to think about interviews in that way. You're interviewing the schools as much as they're interviewing you. You want to use that time to figure out if you would be happy at that school. So I love the way that you're thinking about that, that you should also try and be trying to learn information and find out more through your interviewer. Right. That's, I think that was something that I realized as I was going through interviews is I'm talking to someone and naturally I just want to know more. <laughs> naturally, I like to like put the spotlight on the other person. So mm-hmm. I have to be like, so tell me about you. <laughs> or if, if, if they mention something like someone lives in Denver that they know, which is where I live. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Talking about it. Like, how do you know that? Yeah. And just, um, 
you know, just kind of, yeah, also interviewing them and get to know them personally, because it does, it leaves a lasting impression. If mm-hmm. you're, you're also trying to get to know them and you have a genuine conversation. Yeah, exactly. So in a more general sense, can you explain what the timeline looks like now for the application cycle with COVID and everything? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the application cycle opens May 27th for this year. Um, we start reviewing applications in July, beginning of July, and then our interview season opens like the third week of August. Um, so we are going to stay with virtual interviews for this year. Um, we're going to have in-person campus visit days for accepted applicants so they can see campus, meet students, get a feel for what it would be like to be in Georgetown and at Georgetown. Um, but we keeping virtual um, interviews. We hope to eventually go to a hybrid probably for in two seasons, um, but we will always have a virtual option. We think it's it's just so much more affordable. The price of flying to all these schools was getting kind of crazy. Um, so we will always have that option moving forward. Oh, that's awesome. That's really good. Cause I think it, it definitely opens opportunities for a lot of people, you know, if they're in their gap year and they don't have mm-hmm. a lot of money. Um, yeah. just not having to, you know, fly across the country or whatnot. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you recommend for people that haven't heard back from schools by November? Like what, cause a lot of times you go on Reddit and you see, Hey, if you haven't heard back by Thanksgiving, like things are not looking good. Yeah. <laughs> so for us, if you haven't heard back from November, we literally might've just not gotten to your file yet. Um, So this year we had 16,000 applications. So in November, we were still reading applications that were submitted in like early September. Mm -hmm. Um, So for us, it doesn't make that big of a difference. You literally could just have not been reviewed yet. So I wouldn't panic for Georgetown. Um, In general, though, if you are worried that you're not doing as well, you might have to apply in the next cycle. I would just start thinking about things that you're going to do in that year to improve your application for the next cycle. When we're looking at reapplicants, one of the big things we're looking for is what they did in that year to improve and to kind of build on areas that they might've been a little bit weaker in. So do you need to retake the MCAT? Do you need to um, try to get a couple more clinical experiences? So really the difference is from year to year. So if you are nervous about that, start just thinking and being proactive about things you could do um, to improve for the next cycle. Okay. That's, that's great to know. Cause I going through it, I was, you know, I heard back from some schools and then I was like, there's one school that I really wanted to hear back from. And I hadn't, and I was like, Oh no, (laughs) what does this mean? Reddit? Tell me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, that's definitely good to know. Cause I ended up hearing back from them and, um, but it just, it, you worry, you know, and mm-hmm. I think it's good to know, maybe they just haven't gotten to it. Maybe yeah. they have gone through like 15,000 people and yeah. thousand <laughs> people that they haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, but they will. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So are re-applicants able to call the admissions office and ask like, what are places that they can improve in their previous application? Like before they, they go into this next application cycle? Yeah. So at Georgetown, unfortunately, we don't have that available just because we don't have the capacity and we would want to be able to offer it for every single applicant that was going through the cycle. And we just wouldn't have time to do anything else with all of the reapplicants we receive. Um, Things you can do, though, we have our guide to application that shows kind of exactly what we're looking for. So really taking like an honest look at your application, thinking about where maybe you could have 
more service hours, more clinical experience. Maybe you don't have any research experience, um, but also you can attend those information sessions we have. And you, we have a Q and a portion of that where people will specifically ask like, Hey, would this experience count as clinical experience? If I'm deciding between two of these, what should I do? Which the answer to that is always do what you feel like is the right decision for you. There isn't a right or wrong. It's all kind of how it adds to your application. Um, but so you could join those and ask those, but there, we don't have, um, opportunities for individual feedback. Gotcha. Okay. For reapplicants coming to the Q and a sessions really helps, but for like current applicants, let's say like later, like Elena was saying in November or December, how can applicants advocate for themselves, um, apart from the application itself, can they reach out to the missions committee and express their interest? Um, what do letters of interest look like to you and when should they be sending them? Yeah. So when you're waiting to hear back, um, if you, in before you hear, if you were like waitlisted, rejected or accepted. So if you've been interviewed or if you're waiting to hear, if you're going to receive an interview, you can submit a post-submission update. You can submit as many as you want. They're just, they can be updates. Hey, I have 10 new hours of service experience with this new organization that I've started to work for. Um, they can kind of be letters of intent pre-interview if you want to add that in there too. But all of those post-submission updates will go directly to your application. Um, and then after you've heard back, if you are waitlisted, letters of interest are the best way to advocate for yourself. You can submit five at Georgetown. So you might want to kind of space them out a bit, but those are the best ways to tell us that you're still interested. You can give us updates if you have new experiences. Um, but when we're going to look at the waitlist, when you have a lot of letters of interest and you've shown us that you would love to be at Georgetown, that's the best way to advocate for yourself. That's awesome. That makes sense. What do you think on applicants like calling and saying, Hey, I just wanted to, you know, express how interested I am in this school. This is my dream school. I really want to go here. Do you think that is okay to do? So we recommend against that just because the best way for us is if you submit a letter of interest, it'll attach to your application and the whole committee will see it. Um, so that's kind of the best way to get that information through, make sure that everyone sees it and it can be done in like a very formal manner in that as well. Um, yeah. So for us letters, submitting actual letters of interest are the best way to advocate for yourself. Okay. Perfect. Do you think that holds true with most medical schools? It's letter of, I'm not sure. I imagine that for smaller schools, they might be open to students calling. Mm -hmm. Um, can't speak for everyone for us though. Definitely submitting letters of interest is the best way. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So how has, um, how has the pandemic affected this past application cycle and how do you think it'll still affect the one that's upcoming? Like in terms of, we already discussed virtual interviews, but in terms of the number of volunteering hours, shadowing hours, research, that's, that's going to be decreased in a lot of these applicants because they just weren't able to do them during the pandemic yeah. uh, or get involved with those opportunities. Yeah. Great question. So it affected everyone. We've seen across the board that hours have gone down in a lot of situations. Um, a couple of the things that you can do, we are still accepting virtual hours. At this point, it seems like most clinical experiences are kind of reopening up. We saw even in this application cycle that applicants were getting clinical experiences this year. So in-person is the best, but we are, if you have virtual shadowing hours, especially virtual shadowing hours where you're actually getting to see like patient physician interactions and in Zoom calls that way, please still add those to your application. We'll definitely consider those. And then we also have 
on our secondary two short answer questions. Um, one's a question about diversity and kind of your background and what you would bring to the class. And then the second question just says, if there's anything else you would like the committee on admissions to know, please put it here. And a lot of students, their applicants put in, put different information, like they were supposed to have a clinical research assistant position for a year and it got canceled because of COVID or they were supposed to shadow and that was um, canceled. So we're definitely taking that into consideration. So put anything like that, how the pandemic affected you in any different way, you can put that in that short answer to kind of give us more context, but we're also just being more lenient on hours. We're not expecting applicants to have the thousands of hours that they used to. Um, I think this last cycle was might have been one of the cycles that was most affected by COVID. Um, so I think moving forward, hopefully things continue to open up and applicants can get more experiences. But just know that we're very aware that COVID-19 happened and affected so many people's plans. And we're just being gentler when reading applications. That's good to hear. I'm glad. I think the pandemic definitely affected a lot of us, especially in medical education too, like as a med student right now, um, seeing the way that the pandemic affected like clinical education and when rotations started as well, it's yeah. just overall been a tough two years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been incredibly hard. Well, thank you so much, Casey. I learned so much. I wish I would have, you know, talked to you before applying <laughs> to medical school, but yeah, happy to help out. Yeah, this was such an informative discussion, and I think it's going to be extremely beneficial for our listeners because it, it kind of gives you more insight into, you know, what you're getting into. But thank you so much again. And for our listeners, make sure to keep following along this season of Beyond Their X as we reveal more insights into this application cycle. Thank you for listening.